0: Hello and welcome to the June 11th, 2018 edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. My name is Mr. Joe. This is my neighborhood. This is my life. But this is our podcast journey. Welcome to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Everybody and welcome to another edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. It's good to have everybody here with me today, and of course, it's wonderful to be with you as well. So it's been a week—a week since my last podcast recording—and a lot has happened in this week. Some good, some bad. But I will say this: most of the bad is not so bad, which is a, which is a good thing. <laughs> um, and. When you are searching for content for your audience in terms of bad, not that I want to always produce bad news, but I, I like to produce experiences for my audience that you can all relate to, possibly learn from, and maybe change or, or do the same in terms of your actions in hopes that you are doing the best that you can do for yourself, so in order to do that, I have to report on sometimes bad things, and it's a good thing, like I said, when you're somewhat struggling to come up with things, and not a whole lot has happened over the last week or so in terms of being a bad thing, so uh, that makes me happy to report, but there definitely is something that we need to speak about, and... I think everybody out there, most of you anyway, with bipolar disorder will probably be able to relate to it, but we'll get into that in a minute. I had a good weekend. Uh, My two older children, Sarah Lee and Junior, were with me this weekend, so it's always great when that's the situation. My 14-year-old blessed me with her, or graced me with her presence, and decided that this weekend she was going to come over and not spend the weekend with her friends, and I think it's incredibly important that she spend some family time with us, and I have to say, a lot of times, not to say that her face wasn't buried in her phone most of the time, but there were instances in which she showed a lot of, a lot of interest in our family as a unit, showed a lot of interest in her 13-month-old baby brother who is pretty hard to ignore. Mickey is just uh, hes something else, a very interesting little boy, which, by the way, we had him, my wife and I had him cry it out last night for the first time, and I'm starting to realize that I am definitely the weak, weak link when it comes to my children. My heart was breaking, and it was nothing more than having him fall asleep on his own in the crib. And this kid fought and fought and fought. And he eventually fell asleep, and he kind of fell asleep up against the headboard of the crib, and his neck was all bent in a strange way. And when I went in there, I said, Oh, he's going to wake up with a stiff neck. And my wife said, I think we need to leave him alone. You never wake awake. You never awaken a sleeping baby. And it took us this long to get him to sleep. He cried and cried, so let's leave him alone. I said, You know. I don't know, I don't know if it's a good idea And she moved him and of course he woke up again And we had to start the process all over again And ultimately he fell asleep in a a good position that made me happy And I was finally able to catch some sleep myself Um, So like I said, my children were with me And they bring a lot of stuff, quote unquote stuff A lot of bags over to my house they while they do have their own clothing at my house none of it is really good enough for my daughter she likes what she likes and i w- i refuse to buy her much of the clothes that she likes to wear such as the ripped stuff and the half shirts and the, you know and i'm not putting anybody down for it I mean, here it is, my own flesh and blood, she's wearing it as well, and I don't completely deny her from it, but I refuse to buy it for her, so with that being said, she brings her own stuff, and they bring a multitude of bags in, my son will bring his headphones and some outfits that he likes to wear, and that's more or less my ex-wife, just packing things for them, which, by the way, she should not be packing things for a 12 and 14 year old anymore, because they're capable. And one of the reasons why I say that is because the end result this weekend was not a good one in terms of packing. If my ex-wife forgets something, well, you can almost guarantee that my son is certainly not going to remember. So we had a soccer game. It was my son's very last soccer game this weekend. And... Among the the many bags that he brings, his school bag, because they both had homework, my daughter had to study for a regent's exam, Um, my son forgot, or my ex-wife forgot, or the both of them forgot to send his soccer bag along. And it was uh, something that, uh, listen, I didn't get mad. I don't ever get mad at things like that. As a matter of fact, I just said, all right, you know, we'll get it tomorrow. It was... Thank goodness his game, his soccer game, happened to be out by my ex-wife's house, well, my house, (laughs) my house that she's living in but paying the mortgage for. Um, So it wouldn't be such a big deal. The problem is I really didn't want to wait until Sunday when his game was. So we made a trip out to my sister's, which happened to be right by the soccer game. We got to see my niece's little t-ball game. We spent the day there. It was a beautiful day, and um, I had to go pick up the soccer bag. And the interesting thing, on Friday when I discovered that the soccer bag was missing, and I had my son call my ex-wife, and tell her that we'd be picking it up. Not a moment later did I start receiving text messages from my ex-wife um, about how sorry she was, and I just kept saying, it's not a big deal, don't worry about it. And then finally the question came, what time are you going to your sister's, I'll drop the bag off. Now, let me tell you something. My ex-wife does not go out of her way for me, or anybody for that matter. This is a woman who fought me in a family court because she did not want to drive one way. When I had been driving for four years both ways, um, literally sometimes, most times when my children were sick, I would leave wherever I was and uh, I'd go get them even if it was 45 minutes away, whereas she lived 10 minutes away. And she was so irresponsible that a lot of times my children could not get in touch with her. So the person who lived nearly an hour away would be the one to take them to events and take them to school things and all those kind of things. So when she offered, I said, well, that'd be nice. I said, it's not necessary, but sure. And I thought I'd leave it at that. And then, of course, the next text message came through. Well, what time are you going? And I need to know. And I said, well, this is deeper. This is deeper. Something is going on here. And I knew in my head what was happening explain that in a minute so I said you know what I I can't give you a time right now I don't know I said so I'll let you know so a couple hours later I get the text message again from my ex-wife if you're not going to know what time you're going there what time can you pick up the bag (laughs) and I said well I don't know that either I'm said, i not sure what you want me to tell you I just forget about this and we'll pick it up tomorrow leave it on the stoop um, if if need be that she just kept fishing around for times. And here's the deal, and I'm smart enough to know this, and I think this is actually very sick on her part, and I can't understand for the life of me. And my wife insists, among many other people, they insist that the reason as to why she behaves this way is because she's clearly not, quote-unquote, over me yet. And whereas I have moved on, and I've been remarried, and have another child and quite honestly fell out of love with my ex-wife. God, sadly, a week before we even got married, if that makes any sense. So it did not even take our marriage to crumble and deteriorate for me to fall out of love. I kind of knew I wasn't in love to begin with. And it was just me being young and stupid and Spending all that money on a wedding and not wanting to disappoint people and making all the mistakes in the world that you could possibly imagine. Having children to try to repair a marriage, having another child to try and repair it because there was a short period of time where it actually seemed like it was working. But what it dawned upon me was that my ex-wife was obviously having her boyfriend over. And she did not want us as a family, or me in particular, since she does not hide this man from my children. She's been with him about four or five years, and I think it's a very strange relationship. Now, I'm okay with the fact she doesn't want to get remarried. She doesn't want to have somebody live in her home. I get it. That's, that's up to them. Uh, but my children have told me that they have not seen this man's daughter, who they used to see all the time for about eight or nine months now. I don't know what really happened with him, but it was evidently clear to me, and and she's done this in the past, that she did not want me to roll up to that house and see either a vehicle of his or just in case they were still there. And I just thought it was so strange. So finally, (laughs) thank goodness, she actually, without me even prompting her to tell me, she let me know what time she would be gone to go to her little vacation spot, wherever that might be. It was a beach area out by old Mr. Joe's neighborhood. She gave me a time of noon, so I said, okay, I'll be there after that, just to ease her mind. And Sure as anything, when I got there, um, I actually sent, after the T-ball game, I sent my two older children back to my sister's house, uh, me and my wife and little Mickey took a ride out towards my son and daughter's house where my ex-wife lives and uh sure as anything the car was in the driveway i guess it was my it was her boyfriend's car and uh the bag was on the stoop, and and that's it i I mean it doesn't even phase me i i want i want my children to have somebody that they can go to when i'm not there a man i really do I want that to be the case. I want him to care. I think it's absolutely hideous, disgusting, that for four or five years now, and my son has been playing soccer since the age of six or five, so even longer than that has he been playing soccer, but for at least the last five years, close to six, that me and my ex-wife have been apart, my ex-wife will not go to his soccer games, and it bothers him, and he doesn't understand why. and. Um, I've I've said to my own wife, I said, why doesn't this man force her to go or at least want to go and support my son? Why is it just us cheering him on and supporting him when she clearly knows that it bothers him? I mean, does she hate you that much, meaning my wife, or is that mad at you And she has done some disgusting, horrible things, and I've had a podcast about that in the past, that she just won't go to a game because my wife is there, and I I, I thought that was the reason at first, but then it dawned upon me once again, that even when we were together, I used to have to force her to go, so she never really had any interest in her son playing sports or anything of that nature. So, um, the the shocking thing is, once we all got to the game, lo and behold, guess who was there for only a second time in six years? My ex-wife, and the boyfriend, and... It's just amazing how she treats myself and my wife and my little baby. She won't even look up at us, won't even turn her head. At least he was somewhat decent. He said hello to my wife. He said he came on over to me. It was so interesting. He saw me across the field, and I looked, and I saw him. And this is how much I don't even recognize or care about my ex-wife. I didn't even know it was him, and I didn't even know it was her, but I saw somebody looking at me and giving me that whole like kind of look like hey what's up buddy so i did it back because i couldn't i couldn't figure out who it was and as i'm walking towards him i'm saying all right well whatever i don't know it must be a parent that i'm just not recognizing a parent of one of the teammates so then this man starts walking over to me now remember he's standing next to her and i still have not recognized her um and he walks over to me and he says hey big mr joe and he gives me a hug, and I'm still not knowing. And I, I didn't call him by his name, but I gave him a hug. And as he walked away, then I saw who he was standing next to, and it was my ex-wife. And then I put two and two together. And I actually felt bad that I didn't... That's just the way I am. I felt bad that I didn't even recognize him. So, again, uh, won't even look at my 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 wife, so disrespectful, to the point where... <laughs> my children tell me and my wife everything. You know, it's not that they don't have uh, a loyalty loyalty towards their mother. And I believe that they should always love their mother and respect their mother. But they do love my wife, a.k.a. their stepmother, very much. She's been, to some extent, just like a mother to them. And my children have spent entire summers with her alone while I work. So... They, they've, they've come a long, long way together. And I, one of my son's teachers had sent an email out to all the parents and asked that all the parents, they were working on confidence and um, having respect for one another and uh, just, just feeling good about yourself in a, in a health class. And they asked all the parents to write a letter about your child and why you're proud of them and what what has made them successful in your eyes and some of the fears that you have for your child, and they wanted you to write a letter and put it in an envelope and send it in. But in the email, it also asked for step-parents to do it as well. So we gave him the letter, and I said, you know, make sure you bring this into school, and he had told us yesterday that my ex-wife was actually screaming and yelling about the letter. God God help me (laughs) if she would have seen the letter. It was probably one of the most beautiful pieces of writing that I had ever seen in my life. And I'm not exaggerating. The things she said to my son, my wife, was so extraordinary I cannot even explain. I, I think I might even read one day the letter over a podcast from a stepmother to a stepchild and let you hear how beautiful it was. But apparently my wife was screaming and yelling, and um, she even asked my daughter, do you think this is normal that this woman, this P.I.G., she calls her, a pig, is writing to my son, and she demanded that my son not to hand the letter in. And my son told us this, and he said, well, I snuck it. I snuck it into school, and I handed it in, and my wife and I just couldn't believe that that's the extent that a little 12-year-old has to go to. And they've told my my ex-wife many times that they care very much about my wife. And she doesn't care. And I think I've discussed she's made face, fake Facebook accounts up about my... This is a 43-year-old woman who is making up fake uh, social media accounts. At one time, she would start writing. When I had Facebook, she started finding out all my ex-girlfriend's names and started writing them, uh, pretending that she was my my wife now, I mean, real sick, sick stuff. And, again, I've gone over some of the horrible text messages that we've gotten, messages, voicemails, uh, and it doesn't end. And for some reason, she does not want us to see her boyfriend around. And, again, according to everybody out there who knows me and knows her, it's because she still has not gotten over us. And, and I would imagine the fact that most of our fights are no matter what they are she will always curse my wife doesn't matter what they revolve around it will always somehow some way get back to my my current wife where she will say you left us you you destroyed our lives and I just say to myself this is six years now get over it and we both decided this was what was best for our children we we didn't want them to live like this anymore so That was, I guess you could say, some of the bad over the weekend, and not even that bad. It wasn't that bad. It just had me baffled, had me baffled, and um, I guess this will lead into the bad, because before the weekend, which was Friday, I had a situation that came up um, that really messed with my stability, and for what it's worth, I have been extremely stable. This has been going on over the course of several podcasts. I felt real good, I feel real good. My medicine is working, things are uh, completely in check. Moods are a little bit up and down, but nothing that I can't control. Clearly, if I was not on medication, things would be a lot worse. I kinda can tell when I'm stepping into mania. Uh, Depression has really not set in any way, shape, or form, but that manicky type of behavior and feeling as a matter of fact, there was one instance where I even started to crave a little bit of hardcore drugs, but again, completely under control, and all those feelings go relative, go away relatively quickly. So I'm grateful for that. But here's where my stability my stability got a little uh, messed up. I have a wedding coming up this Friday. It just so happens that my wife's or my sister-in-law is getting married. And It's, it's going to be nice. It's going to be really great. It's going to be a, definitely a stressful day for me because my wife is in the wedding party, and I am on my own, you know, dressing my son in a suit. And I don't mind dressing him and caring for him. And I'm not one of those dads that doesn't change diapers, and I do all that stuff. And um, But for some reason, I have a lot of anxiety about putting him in this suit because it's a dress shirt and you know it's it's hard to dress a one-year-old and he is not an easy kid to dress he is a little he is a little um for lack of better terms little brat when it comes to that stuff although i i definitely have him under control in terms of his behavior a lot better than my wife and for example he thinks he's a dog sometimes and he will try to eat dog food whereas he will put piece after piece and, and it's really funny i mean we shouldn't be laughing because sometimes he'll even you know, go on their bed, and the, the dog's bed, and run over there with a piece of food and think because he's on their bed that it's permissible for him to stick a piece of food in his mouth. He'll do this all day, testing my wife, testing my wife with putting his hand in the dog bowl, just real um, devilish things that a 13-month-old would do, but yet with me, he won't even dare. He won't even do it, won't even look at it. So I have a lot of control over him. So anytime there's a stressful or a social situation, doesn't matter whose wedding it is, doesn't matter what baby I'm getting dressed, um, I'm always uptight about those things. So here we are only a few short days away and I'm already uptight, but nothing that I can't handle. I'll be okay. Now in preparation for this wedding, if it was not for my wife, Mr. Joe would probably be wearing the same garbage over and over again in terms of clothing. Nothing that would ever be dirty, nothing that would be ever unkept, nothing that would be wrinkled or um, that wouldn't match, but I I didn't always have the best style, according to my wife. I, I used to wear baggy clothing and things that just didn't look right on me, didn't fit right on me, so... About six years ago she decided she's gonna start dressing me. <laughs> and and I gotta say, it's it's transformed me and made me a better person for whatever that's worth. I know physical appearance shouldn't mean a whole lot to anybody, but it has actually made me feel better about myself. I always look nice when I go to work, and I always look nice when I'm out, doesn't matter where I am. So she decided now we have a rehearsal dinner on Friday. We have a wedding on Saturday, and she decided for these two events, I need a new suit. As a matter of fact, I don't need one suit. I need two suits, even though I have a nice suit at home already, which, by the way, she made me buy when her and I got married. I did not wear a tuxedo. We got married at a little hall in one of our neighborhoods because we both did a big wedding already, and we decided that we were not going to have a big thing. We just went to this little hall invited our basic family members it was absolutely beautiful but apparently i am not allowed to wear that uh, suit so friday um was it friday or thursday i apologize thursday my wife told me that we were going to go look for a suit and beforehand before going for that suit we actually had a little bit of dinner out myself and my wife and Mickey and had a nice quick dinner nothing major and we drove and got the suit and I have to tell you when I walked in the store it was extremely crowded very crowded and my son had not slept he had not napped and he was a handful he sat and he does not scream and cry a whole lot now not to say that he was doing that there but man was he whiny and he was in his carriage, and we, certain places we have to keep him in. He has been walking since 10 months old, but his thing is he wants to push things, and he wants to push the carriage, and he is like this little peanut. People cannot believe that he is walking, and and so small. The kid runs. I mean, he is, and, and this is not because he's my own, and I know his parents oftentimes we talk about our children because we love them so much, I am being very serious when I say this little boy is absolutely brilliant in terms of his mind and in terms of his physical capabilities, Um, but he was a brat this day and you take the crowd at the store, you take my son who is now stressing me out. I walked into the store feeling all right, but as I walked in and I heard the crowd, All of a sudden, I felt as if I was in, like, this tunnel. I don't know if people can relate to that. And then my son's crying or whining, more more or less whining and loudness and nothing making him happy. No goldfish, no uh, fruit puffs. None of those snacks were water. Every time we gave him his water, he'd throw it on the ground. And um, his voice started to go through me. And... My wife starts handing me different suit jackets and I'm trying them on and now I'm not dressed appropriately. I got I got these shoe like boots on, so untying them was a nightmare and for those of you who try things on in a fitting room and know what I'm talking about, that whole process when you're getting undressed and you're taking off your clothing and nothing in this particular store seemed to fit right. All my regular sizes, which by the way, just so you can get an idea of Mr. Joe, I um, believe it or not, I wear a 34 waist and about a 30 length. As a matter of fact, one of the suit pants actually fit me better when it was a 33 waist, and we got lucky with that one. And it still leaves me a little bit of room where I could wear a belt and believe me there was a time where I was a 36 and not a fat 36 and I hate to use that word fat because that's not fair you know 36 is not fat I don't look at people as fat I look at people as big I look at people as beautiful I look at people as possibly overweight your physical appearance means nothing to me that that, and that's probably the wrong word to say but I was never overweight let's put it that way even when I was a 36 I was just gigantic I was a big monster, I was on steroids, I was on a lot of stuff, and I've slimmed down now, which by the way, a whole other thing that's going to take place, I am allowed back at the gym, as a matter of fact, today will be my first day, <laughs> that's a whole other situation, we'll get into that another time, hopefully it helps my mind, but Mr. Joe, you know, he can go anywhere from a 32 to a 34 waist, and um, uh, here she is, and giving me Pants after pants, and now the lights are shining on me and they're hurting my eyes, and I begin shaking as I'm putting my pants on. And as I'm putting one foot into the leg, I'm I'm cursing at myself and I'm getting frustrated because I'm standing on the pant leg and I almost fall over. And um, the buttons on the shirt, I'm trying to unbutton them so I can put them on, and they're driving me crazy. And the it was just the worst experience of my life. That's going a little bit too far, but at the moment, it felt like that. We walked out of there with one suit. That was it. And I honestly don't even remember doing it. I got into that car afterwards, and it was almost like I had to take a deep breath, and I felt like I had been released from some kind of chaotic overwhelming situation that instilled complete sensory overload into me. And what I mean by that, and I will use autism as an example, many individuals with autism, besides their socialization and cognitive um, weaknesses, will say that, uh, they they have a a lot of times sensory issues and what I mean by that and if if many of you have seen in the past many individuals with autism will hold their hands over their ears reason for this is multiple reasons sometimes they just have to drown out the sound that is around them such as being in a store like that the way it affected me well I was able to kind of play the game and at least curse to myself while I was in the dressing room and pretend like nothing was bothering me, although there is no doubt that it was written all over my face, an individual with autism probably would put their hands over their ears. An individual with autism can hear things a lot of times that we can't hear, so there will be times that they just put their hands over their ears, and we're saying, well, why? It's not chaotic right now. For all you know, maybe they hear a siren, or maybe they even hear the flickering in a light that we don't hear. So it's affecting their. That's how sensitive they can be with their senses. Um, sometimes with touch. It's not with everyone. Some of them like to be squeezed, and that helps them, but sometimes just touching them is not, it's over sensory to them. It's, it bothers them. So you got sounds, you got touch, you have sight. I use the light as an example in terms of the flickering sounds. Well, look up at your light bulb or the light in your house. To you, It just looks like a light. For an individual with autism, it's very possible. Not only can they hear the flickers in that light, but they see the flickers in that light. It's amazing. Smells. They smell things that we can't smell. And and again, this is a neurological disorder. and To some extent, a processing disorder. And I'm not going to get into a whole autism podcast right now. But again, one of the things is sensory overload with autism. And you can look it up uh, and maybe that'll help you to understand a little bit better. But what Mr. Joe had was sensory overload. And I never realized how bad it was. My wife insisted that it was not as crowded as I said it was, but to me, all those people and voices and sounds, I mean, I felt like they were coming from all different angles. Uh, It made my brain start to race and feel like it was jumping around scattered all over the place. I, I could not zone in. I could not concentrate. It was just horrifying. And here's the kicker, which is very upsetting to me is that after we left, I was more or less silent on the way home. And when we walked in the house, clearly it had affected me to a point where my wife said to me, What has happened to you? Why are you in such a bad mood? You were having such a great day. What's going on? Clearly I was so irritable. I was so angry. And I actually felt it. I felt my entire mood switch. Almost towards a depression... Really, um, certainly an irritability, an irritability that I could not control. A lot of deep breaths, a lot of huffing and puffing, a lot of um, all of a sudden intense anxiety over doing anything, going to get a drink of water. It was, it was a task. Um, and everything had stemmed from the fact that I just had this experience. And I have to tell you, it took me several hours to get over it. And it even, I know it sounds crazy, it even kind of um, lingered into the next day. So this happened all Thursday night and and into Friday I kind of felt it up until I went to work. And then I started forgetting about things and started to go away Um, now. So really what it comes down to is I could not snap out of it. Now, here's where things get interesting After the soccer game, and my son went home with my ex-wife, it was time to go eat lunch and do round two. (laughs) Um, So we need the other suit, and we need two dress shirts now for each suit. We need matching ties, and I'm saying to myself, I have shirts, why do I need shirts? And uh, You need black shoes, and you need new white T-shirts. And I'm saying, oh my God, here we go again. And... I pepped myself up for this, and I walked into the same store in a different location, and it was less crowded. That I will say. At least to my perception, it was less crowded. But here's what is sad, and here's what's disturbing. While I didn't receive that overwhelming feeling like I did on that past Thursday, I did start to hear voices in my head. I don't know what it was or why it happened, and they were very subtle, and um, they kind of were talking mean to me and telling me to get over it, and that I'm stupid, and that um, I'm a baby. That's what I kept hearing a lot, you're a baby. Um, and they were, again, very subtle, don't really know what, what voices they actually were, I can't really make out the voice itself, couldn't identify it. But it happened. It happened very faintly. Um, Some flashes, some hallucinations. I would look to my left and think that there was a customer standing there and there would be nobody there. Uh, I don't know if I created that part on my own, but nevertheless, um, those are some of the things that went on. Now, I had been dressed a lot more comfortably. It was easier to slip off my sneakers I had shorts on, so that was relatively easy. It was not as bad as an experience, and uh, towards the end, all those voices started to go away. It was almost like as we wrapped things up, um, I realized that I was making it through and everything was going to be okay. And furthermore, I was only able to pick out one suit. None of the shirts fit me. We realized that classic fit and regular fit are not okay for me. I'm, I'm an 18-neck and uh, I believe a 34, 33, whatever that means, or 33, 32, I'm not sure. I don't even know what it means, but I will tell you this. Under my arms, all the shirts were like hanging, and I had to wear a slim fit. And I must have gone through a thousand shirts, and they have pins in them, and you got to undo the pins. And, um, you know, again, I couldn't unbutton the shirts. And the, the awesome thing about having a partner who understands you and does not hold your disability or your mental illness against you is the fact that they love you and they're going to support you and they're going to recognize that they need to get you through this. So she grabbed the shirts from me and she started helping and she made sure that she really kept Mickey content and he was content, and I was even all right. There was points where I said, you know why? You look for the things. Don't make me look for anything. Let me hang out with him. Let me run around after him. Let me chase him. That stuff, I believe it or not, I don't mind. He, he talks to people. People think he's adorable. It makes me feel good as a dad. So it was overall a relatively good experience other than the hallucinations and the voices that I heard, which, again, went away. Now, again, I told you I only got to get one suit. Shoes didn't work. I had these the wrong socks on, they were not dress socks, nothing felt right on me, and I said to my wife, I said, listen, we got to come back, we'll go to a, a different one, um, we'll go go to the one by our house next time, because this was a different Coles, um, and there, I, I gave you the store, <laughs> um, that's where we shopped for this particular thing, um, for this particular outfit, and I said, we'll go to the Coles by Mr. Joe's Neighborhood. Especially since I don't have the socks. And that was it. I felt good about the fact that I couldn't find anything and I couldn't wait to get home. So got in the car, we started driving home. We're about 15, 20, 25 minutes from home. And in the back seat, my son started his nonsense. He had been in the car a lot. He's whining and the wiggles music is not working at this point. So I say to him, I say, Mickey, I said, don't worry, bud. We'll be home in 10 minutes. My wife looks at me she goes what do you mean we're not going home I said well what do you mean I said, "Well, we're going to the next calls you you aren't able to get shirts and you, you need another, you need ties for those shirts and um, we got to check out what sizes they have and get the shoes and I said oh my god I, my heart started to sink I said there was no so uh, instead of now here's the interesting thing off medication Mr. Joe would have looked at my wife and said, how effing dare you? How dare you not support me? How dare you put me through this? You don't understand my mind. I'm not well, I can't believe it. And possibly even name called and treated her like complete garbage. But instead, I turned to her and I said, I don't think I could do it. I said, I think I've had enough and I'm sorry. And she said, well, when are we going to go? And I said, well, I said, can't we worry about it another time? Um, She says, the wedding is coming up this week. I said, we'll work it out together. And she said, you know what? Let's go home. I I can see you've had enough. Plus, you don't have the right socks. And um, I don't want you to end this night on a bad note because you're much better than you were on Thursday. I'm proud of you. And you made it through, and we'll figure out another night after we both work we'll take a ride out and we'll get this done so she was extremely supportive so the end result was i had got no white t-shirts no dress shirts no dress socks no shoes and unfortunately that is coming up this week and i will do my best to get through that but sensory overload that is something we have to be very very careful about it's something that when I was suffering from major anxiety, there were times where I would walk into a store. Forget about the fact that I, there were times I could not even go into public for a period of nine months. I had a hard time walking into public. I couldn't go to class. I couldn't take tests. I couldn't go to stores. The, the couple of times that I did try to go to stores, I vomited. Everything started spinning. Driving in a car was nearly impossible. I felt like I was driving in a tunnel. My heart would beat out of my chest. My breath, I couldn't catch it, shortness of breath. Now, while I didn't get any of those things, on a smaller scale, I started to realize that I still suffer from some of this sensory overload. And it made my brain rattle around. And for those of you who have bipolar disorder or some kind of relatable mental illness, you will know exactly what I am talking about. I felt like my brain was going a million miles a minute and that I could not take the different aspects of sensory-related intrusions into my head as they started beaming towards my brain. It's, it's like once they got in there, they would jumble all around and I, I actually could not make sense of the world around me. So see, see, these are some of the things that we still have to deal with, and no matter how much medication we're on, no matter how hard we try to uh, better ourselves and, and take care of ourselves, it's some of these things, to some extent, are unavoidable, and we just got to get through them. I don't really have a whole lot of answers, uh, maybe preparing yourself and preparing the situation. Um, sometimes that makes it a little more stressful but going at the proper time of day where people may not be there believe it or not i know we don't want to oftentimes alter our universe or our community to make things more appropriate for ourselves because what happens when we can't alter those things and we're forced or faced to battle those things or embark on those things when we have no ability to alter things well it makes it somewhat harder for us to deal with it So we have to prepare ourselves for real life, and um, changing things in our environment is not necessarily real life. But you know what? People like to go to a grocery store at a a decent time of day when it's not too crowded. They get to choose. People without bipolar get to choose when and where to go to certain stores because they want to beat the crowd. Listen, if you were to put me in a store on Black Friday you might as well put me in in a circus and bounce me around and have horses and cows and elephants trample all over me. I mean, that's, that's about the comparison that I can give you. I don't know how that made any sense to anybody, but that's the only thing. Talk about Black Friday. I would never survive. It just feels like my brain is going to explode. So I wish I had the answers. Maybe the answer would be going to a therapist and talking to somebody, but guess what? Still haven't done that. I promised everybody I would, but it still hasn't been done. So I definitely, definitely have work to do. But if you can relate to that, um, you know, just be careful. Be careful and take some deep breaths. Try to work through it. It's probably a form of anxiety to some extent. But again, it is our bipolar brain at work at its finest. If you are doing well with your mental illness right now, I need you to continue to work hard. It's very important you do that. If you love, care about somebody with a mental illness, the best way that you can, try to support that person. I know it's not always easy. If you are right now struggling with a mental illness, most importantly, I need you to keep fighting, keep battling, and soldier on. Thank you for listening to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Everybody have a great day will talk to you real soon.